This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. You're listening to episode 174. Happily even after? Of the in-between podcast where you'll discover the tools to build the marriage and family that you love. My name is Daniel Im. And I'm Christina Im. Well, today we are going to be interviewing Dana Grash about navigating your marriage when your spouse is addicted to porn. Dana will share more about her story, but her and her husband have walked this journey of restoring hope and trust in their marriage after she discovered her husband's habitual use of porn. You'll hear that things didn't change overnight. There's no miracle pill or instant cure, but their hope in sharing their story is to remind you that Jesus Christ can help you redeem the broken places of your marriage. Now, before we jump into the interview, let's tell you a little bit more about Dana. Dana Gresh is the best-selling author, speaker, and founder of True Girl, America's most popular Christian tween event. She has authored over 20 books that have been translated into 12 languages, including Lies Girls Believe. Considered one of the leading experts on the subject of sexual theology and parenting tweens and teens, her resources have equipped over 1 million moms and leaders as they seek to raise their girls in confidence and truth. For all the show notes to today's episode, be sure to check out inbetween.org slash episode 174. Let's jump into our conversation with Dana. Well, Dana, thank you so much for uh, being on our podcast today. We are so thankful to have you here. It's my pleasure. I'm so excited to be with you. Yeah. So, you know, at first glance, your book, Happily Even After, I want to make that underline there. It's not ever after, it's even after, has an ironic title because it actually comes out of a very difficult time in your life and marriage. Um, If you could, would you tell us more about this time in your life? Yeah. Well, I think all of us have a different happily even after. I mean, our, our challenges are as unique as each couple. And I think the way the Lord redeems our lives is very similar, no matter what challenges we face. But for Bob and I, the specific challenge we face is not that uncommon, and that is pornography. Um, My husband, I wish he could be here with you guys today because he would love you. He is (laughs) the leader of our ministry, the CEO, the leader of our home. He prays with me every night. He prays over me every night. Right now, he's like, baby, I just feel like there's so much going on. We need to just every day just pray right through our schedule. Like Mm. The other the other day, some of the girls in my small group, young 20-something, said he's the closest to Abraham they've ever met. In terms of faith, that's wow. the man I'm talking about. Yeah. And okay. that man has fought a fierce battle with pornography. Mm. Um, roughly 70% of the men in our church are facing that battle, 30% of the women are facing that battle. And it's having a terrible impact on our marriages. Mm-hmm. And so um, for Bob and I, uh, he came into the marriage confessing that that was a temptation. And we did all the right things to really um, get the help we needed so that it. It, it didn't remain a problem. But then there became a point uh, several years, de- a couple decades into our marriage, actually. We've been married 34 years. Wow. And um, 
he said, baby, I don't know how to find my way back to God's heart <clears throat> without breaking yours. Wow. And then he, he did. He broke my heart into a million pieces as he confessed that the battle with pornography had not only resurfaced recently, but escalated, which mm. is also very common. Mm. Um, so we stood there. I sat there at that moment deciding, do I believe everything I've been teaching, everything I've been saying about marriage, about forgiveness, about sexuality, about redemption, mm-hmm. about hope? And I had to decide if I was going to walk in it or walk away from it. Wow. That is a really tough question, right? And I think podcast family, many of you, as I've heard your stories, have come to that situation of who I thought I married is not who I'm married to right now. And what do I do? Dana, if you can help us kind of understand, because I know there's some of um, our podcast family who, when you know they were doing premarital counseling or even mm-hmm. in the beginning of dating, that was a that was a, 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 like if you are addicted to porn, we are not going to get married. Like mm-hmm. one of those yeah. things, right? right? And so they did, like you and Bob did, took the right steps to be able to address that issue. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the point of being able, let's say, quote unquote, being able to overcome that part in the beginning of your marriage, then what kind of changed maybe in in Bob's life or the circumstances around him that would uh, find that temptation back into his life? Yeah. Well, you know, I feel like uh, it it's the same old piece of forbidden fruit in most of our lives, right? It doesn't matter what that fruit is. It might be food. It might be porn. It might be spending. It might be gambling. It it might be um, any number of things. But generally, uh, Satan knows, oh, I figured out what their kryptonite is, and I'm going to make sure that shows up a time or two again. And it's generally Mm -hmm. when we're really doing well that he does try to bring that up or when we're really doing badly. It's never when we're just in the regular days. So mm-hmm. um, for Bob and I, I think it was a matter of, we went through a period of great stress in terms of ministry uh, responsibility, ministry growth, ministry finances. Um, there were a lot of things going on in our family as our kids um, began. One of them was in out of the nest. Some of them were in the nest, but we were just, life was crazy. And what we do when life is crazy is we find comfort, right? We medicate. Mm -hmm. And if that comfort isn't Jesus, it's usually a counterfeit or an idol in our lives. And, uh, you know, Bob didn't wake up and say, gee, I'm stressed. I think I'd really like to break my wife's heart and ruin my integrity and character by binging on pornography today. It's not it's not how it is. You know, it starts right. out mm-hmm. with um mindlessly scrolling the internet at midnight just to numb yourself, distract yourself, get away from all that responsibility, and then that slowly escalates lates over hours or days or weeks or months into something that you didn't ever intend to do. Um, and here's the thing, you know, you, you mentioned the premarital couples who were like, this can't be a thing. P- porn is ubiquitous. Hmm. It, it, like it's no longer a matter of if you struggle with porn, it's, it's easier in a room full of people to ask, has anybody here not struggled with porn? 
Like, right. It's easier to ask that. So Mm -hmm. the question really is, have I had an honest disclosure about how that has been a temptation in my life and what I do to have accountability so that it doesn't become something that is my comfort? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Later on in the interview, we're going to walk through some recommendations for spouses as they navigate uh, this topic and and if they find out that their partner has this addictive pornography use or if it's habitual we're gonna we're gonna get to there in just a little bit but Dana we'd love if if you're comfortable um, to just give us a little bit more on okay so so this conversation happened and 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 you came to an awareness that he had been binging on pornography what happened afterwards walk us through yeah. some of that. Well, the very first thing that happened is um, I called a girlfriend, and I think that's really important. Um, Many times I find that couples, especially couples in Christian leadership, don't reach out and say, help. Mm -hmm. Um, But really any kind of couple. As I talk with women, the number of reasons that they don't reach out for help is again, as unique as they are, some of them will be like, well, my husband's a business leader in town. I wouldn't want people to hear this about him. Well, my husband's the pastor. So what would people think? Um, All you're doing is cooperating with the enemy when you do that. Mm -hmm. There is somebody you can tell. Mm. I promise you, if you think hard enough and get creative enough, there is someone you can tell. Um, we want to hide in our hurt and our shame and our pain because it's it's embarrassing for both the husband and the wife. doesn't matter who's mm-hmm. using the pornography. Right. We want to hide in that. But that's counterintuitive to the way God has set community up to bring us closer to Him. Yeah. So I got on the phone right away with a girlfriend. I was very numb. Honestly, um, it was like all the puzzle pieces came together for me because my husband for about 18 months had just not been emotionally present. Now he was there. He was always with me. We were in ministry together. We obviously lived together. So we're always together, but he just wasn't there. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so I knew something was off and I had been asking him, you know, I just thought it was the stress, but it was this, it was the Mm -hmm. shame building up and creating a wall between us. So I call a girlfriend and I said, honestly, the puzzle pieces are coming together, but I feel like I should be crying. I'm not crying. And I don't know what to do. What do I, what do I do? Like what he confessed mm-hmm. to me is really big. And she said, well, we go to the word because mm-hmm. that's what we do. So yeah. she yeah. began to pray over me, Lord, your word is a lamp to Dana's feet and a light to her path. And a lamp doesn't give a lot of light, just the, enough to illuminate the next few steps. Mm, yep. Can you take her to the word and illuminate the next few steps? And mm-hmm. honestly, as soon as she began to pray the word, the the floodgates opened and I began oh, to wow. weep. I began to cry, started to feel. That's how power, oh. the word is alive and active, guys. Exactly. It's alive and active. Mm-hmm. And I just lost it in the best way. And yet it it made me realize I need to get into the word and decide what to do. And so Bob and I decided that he would go away and get some uh, help. We wanted to just like somebody in church, an elder in church had said, uh, do whatever it takes, get the best help there is. And he had just suffered through cancer. And he said, I didn't get the free local cancer help. I went away and got the best help there is. That's what you need. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we did. We sent Bob away to uh, an inpatient treatment clinic. wasn't a Christian clinic, but we believed because we're strong believers that we could integrate that. And they said they had a faith-based track. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But we were drastic, and we felt like there's zero tolerance for this in our lives. Everybody's like, oh, it's just a little porn or it's just once a month or it's just once a quarter. Here's the thing. God has called us to live lives of holiness, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not just a little bit of this, just a little bit of that. And when you're not living in holiness, you're not living in the power of God's spirit. So we didn't have, we were not going to tolerate it. Yeah. Yeah. How long of a, to give our listeners a sense of timeline, how how long was that process then for you guys? Well, here's what's interesting. Um, Okay. So we're going to get into some really honest stuff about prayer here. Um, Bob was supposed to be in a 45 day program. Okay. And I was committed that he would stay there the entire time. But one day I was walking through the living room, praying for him And the Holy Spirit just literally pressed me to my knees. I just felt this. I mean, I'm just walking through the living room, not thinking about anything. And then suddenly I'm like, bam, on my knees. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. why am I here? God, I know I'm supposed to be interceding. So I began praying. And what came out of my mouth were, Lord, please show my husband that he should leave that place and that he needs to leave now and show us where you should send him. And I was like, "Okay." as the words were coming out of my mouth, I was like, what? took over my body Mm. and brain because I don't, I want him to finish this. Right. And so I wrote down the time and I said, Holy Spirit, if this is from you, please confirm it by something significant happening with Bob at this moment. So Bob called me many hours later and said, Dana, I know this is going to sound crazy and you're not going to like this, but I feel like God wants me to, to leave this place. And I said, Mm. what? (laughs) He said, this afternoon, we had a meeting, and I've been communicating to them how much I wanted my wife involved in the process, and there was all this hyperbolic conversation with the therapist about that, and he said, at that moment, I felt like God's Spirit said, you have received and given what you must hear. It's time to go Mm -hmm. somewhere else, but I know you're not going to agree with that. I said, what time was that meeting? And it was exactly the moment the Holy Spirit pushed me to my knees. Oh, <laughs> it was oh I exactly. love that. Only God. Only God. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so we moved him to um, a two-week Christian intensive program with a man named Pete Kuyper at Crossroads Counseling okay. of the Art R- Rockies in Colorado, um, where I was involved. And I was a really big mm. part of that. Um, and Bob doesn't regret going to that place. Uh, he, there was a lot of stuff in his heart that happened there. But God's spirit and the word of God was not driving it. Hmm. And yeah. my warning to you would be that if God's spirit and the word of God is not driving your therapy, mm-hmm. it's not going to be, it's not going to have efficacy. If you look at the stats of uh, modern psychology and behavioral science, the recovery rate is about one to two to three percent in programs like that. Wow. Mm. Outside of the Holy Spirit, the hope is there's not a lot of hope. Right. But yeah. you put the power of God's spirit into some of these things. 
you don't need recovery. You don't need to repair your marriage. You need redemption. Only Jesus can do that. <laughs> He's the only one capable right. of taking something that's so broken that you can't repair it or recover it, but you can make it something better than it was before. And that's exactly what he's done with our marriage. Mm. Right. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that, Dana, and how amazing that the Holy Spirit was working in both of your lives uh, separately and then as you see it together, right? The beautiful union of that. Um, I'd love to, if you could unpack a little bit more about what that two-week intensive where you were both involved together in the healing process, because I know a lot of um, addiction recovery programs, they only focus on the user. And then the person who is married to them or uh, really connected to them, they're kind of left on the outside, almost Mm -hmm. feeling blamed because, you know, you were the one who was maybe enmeshed with this person, or you were the one who is allowing this to happen. And they just feel blamed. So what was the difference of this two-week intensive time together that um, really brought you two together and closer to Jesus? Yeah. Well, so here's the cool thing that happened there is I finally started to understand that I had to do my own work. I, I, I feel like that for a lot of the time when Bob and I had discussed pornography through our marriage, because it resurfaced every now and then, not very significantly, but it was a conversation. Mm-hmm. I always felt so broken and so hurt. And my reaction was, get yourself together, dude. Like put your hmm. big boy pants on and live life. And then when you figure it out, come heal my heart. Cause look what you did to it. Yeah. And yeah. that was kind of the way I responded to Bob, um, through all of those different things in the early part of our marriage and that these little resurfacings, but this time was different. Um, Pete told me a story. He said, Let's imagine that a waiter has just walked through a swinging door at a restaurant and you're on the other side of it and that door hits your nose and it is bloody and it needs cauterized and you are in a lot of pain. That waiter is so sweet and so kind and they are just beside themselves with uh, apology and remorse and repentance. I'm so sorry. I, uh, and you could tell. So you're like, of course, I forgive you. Now he said, but your nose isn't better, right? I'm like, no, my nose is not better. So who needs to take your nose to the hospital, the waiter or you? And I was like, wow. Mm. What yeah, me. Oh my <laughs> me wow. Thanks and ouch uh-huh. at the same time. <laughs> and that was the turning point for me in realizing okay. uh, I got to do this work myself. There's stuff in my heart. Some of it is from Bobson, but some of it's stuff that's just been there for years and it's the way that I respond to Bob's sin, being affected by all that stuff, it needs to be worked on. And mm. um, when I started to press into my own healing, it changed the battle for him too, because here's what I found. The lie I was believing when I was mm. wanting Bob to be my healer was that Bob could be my healer. Mm. <laughs> Bob is not capable of being my healer. Only Jesus can do that. Right. So um, when I started to look to Jesus as my healer, and guys, listen, like this isn't, again, this is not like some new believer believing this lie. This is Dana who's walked with Jesus since she was five years old believing this lie. Dana mm-hmm. who's been through Bible college believing this lie. Dana who's a licensed Christian missionary believing this lie that that God, that that something other than God could be my healer, right? Yeah. 
And, mm-hmm. and we're all so capable of walking with the Lord for years, but still having in the roots of our belief system something that doesn't belong there. And oh, how Jesus longs to rip that up. And He will use devastating circumstances to give us the grace of seeing what we do not see. And that's the gift that He gave to me through this hard mm. time. The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babyland, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available wherever books are sold. Hmm. Dana, thank you for for giving a sense, giving us a sense of 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 what you went through, and and obviously the, we want to encourage our, our entire podcast family to pick up a copy of your book happily, even after to to get into this and get into uh, just. It, yeah, just it's 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 so helpful the not only the experience but everything all all of you your faith everything that you bring into this so so let's take a little bit of a turn in the interview and and we'd love for you to to, to address those in our podcast family who who they've found out that their partner has a habitual or addictive uh, addiction to pornography uh, they've yeah. known it for a while or they're just finding out what yeah. should they do yeah. Well, um, first thing, don't tolerate it. Mm. The mm. world is going to tell you what it, a little porn doesn't hurt anything. The world's also possibly going to tell you a little porn could spice things up. Well, both of those things are very lethal things to believe. Mm. Pornography is one of the most lethally addictive chemicals, and I do want to use the word chemical substances Mm -hmm. on the planet. If you took a functional image scan of a heroin addict and put it next to the functional functional image scan of a porn addict, you would see two very damaged brains that look very much alike with craters in them. Mm -hmm. This ruins your brain. So a person who uses pornography on any kind of regular basis is doing incredible damage to their brain. And what do we know about heroin? It's super hard to overcome as an, as a substance. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the um, dopamine overload that pornography creates in a brain is a substance, is a chemical. It's a neurochemical that can do incredible damage when we get it in too high a doses. Um, when we get it, we, we get it from all kinds of things. And usually when we get a download of it, it'll dissipate in like an hour. For example, if you eat cake or pizza, you're going to get this little bitty dopamine hit that dissipates Mm -hmm. in an hour or to be more comparative. If you have sex with your spouse, you're going to get this dopamine hit that lasts for an hour or so. But with pornography, four, five, six hours later, we don't see the dissipation happening. So your Mm -hmm. brain's just getting fried on that dopamine. So don't be complacent. The second Mm -hmm. thing I would tell you is this, don't fight it alone. Uh, Christianity is not a solo sport, guys. It is 
We're supposed to be doing it together in community with each other. Mm. Someone led you to Jesus. Someone discipled you. And when you hit these rough patches, someone will mentor and comfort and advise you through. So James Mm. 5, 16 says, confess your sins one to another and then you will be healed. Well, I think that for the person using pornography, that one's pretty easy. But for me as the wife who wasn't using pornography, but who needed to do a lot of healing, I needed to take the sin of my husband to safe girlfriends and to safe spaces and say, this is the sin that's in my home and Mm -hmm. we aren't well right now. How can I get help? I can't emphasize it enough. You've got to tell someone. Mm. Right. Yeah. Dina, I thank you so much for continuing to put that in place of, hey, you need community around you. Mm -hmm. Um, If you could actually, we have a lot of ministry leaders, pastors that listen to this podcast, and they are thinking, there is no way I can tell someone because if my church found out, I would lose a job, maybe lose my family, lose my house, lose my reputation, lose, and it just list over list over list goes on. So is there anything that you would like to say to them to address just that fear of what this means and the shame that they are carrying too, that if they open up that that bottle, um, it will just spill and they will have nothing left? Well, the the sentence running through my mind is, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Mm. Yeah. And that's the the fact is we make many of our decisions when it comes to these crises based on what we keep at the price of our soul. And we've got to stop doing that Mm. because the fact is the church is being devastated by pornography. And because it's in the pulpits, we're not talking about it. Mm. So we have this, it's, it's as if there's like, um, a a crocodile loose in the congregations, ripping off arms and legs. But we're just like, well, it's a little impolite to talk about that. So let's just don't disrupt the service, everybody. Let's just keep, let's just everybody behave and let's ignore the bloody parts in the, in the aisles. Right. We got to stop doing that Mm -hmm. because uh, conversely, what would happen if the church became the place where people got set free from this addiction because it's mm-hmm. not just the church that's looking at it and going, porn is bad. I mean, increasingly, people like Russell Brand is saying, hey, porn was really bad for me, guys. It did not do me any favors. So we have these secular voices look, saying, look how destructive it is. Um, uh, New Yorker magazine, a writer in New Yorker magazine said, you know, I use porn. I'm not embarrassed of it, blah, 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 but I'm not having a lot of sex. I'm going to stop using porn for a while and just see what, see what happens. Well, guess what? He started having sex with his partner. Now, I don't know if it was a live-in partner or a married partner. I don't know. But the mm-hmm. fact is he recognized that porn was suffocating his desire for real relationship. Yeah. Right. So imagine if the church became the place where we, I just think it's the greatest mission field And Mm -hmm. so my plea to every pastor, every leader struggling is stop letting the enemy lie to you and tell you that you are above the same help that all of us need. When Bob and I went through this, um, he was the, the, the leader, founder, and headmaster of a Christian high school. Um, Mm -hmm. we were running our ministry. We minister in about 130 countries, um, 
through Pure Freedom, which includes True Girl and Born to Be Brave. And he went to both of our boards and said, I am below the I am below the standard where I can lead. Mm-hmm. I need to step back. Whatever that costs, I want to rescue my soul. I want the mm-hmm. Lord to rescue my soul and I want to rescue my marriage. And then we'll see where the parts are after that, where the pieces are. And here's the thing. We had boards that operated out of incredible biblical integrity. And there was about two years where my husband wasn't serving in leadership, uh, wasn't Mm -hmm. serving at all, was resting and getting his heart fixed for a lot of that time. But Galatians uh, Galatians 6.1, I think it's Galatians 6.1, says um, that we should restore one another gently. Restore one another gently. When somebody has sinned, we restore them gently. And then it says, but watch yourself lest you should also be tempted. And it might not be that you'd be tempted with pornography, but we can be so tempted in these situations as elders or leaders or boards making decisions that we make a decision that um, is like, well, this is the easy decision. Let's just make him go away and never Mm -hmm. come back. And we'll just nice, neat, clean package here. That's right. not what the scripture says. It says restore, restore. Mm-hmm. Well, to what extent? Um, in First and Second Corinthians, Paul says, hey, there's a guy in your church having, what was it, sex with his uh, mother's, his father's wife. So it must have been a stepmom, right? Mm-hmm. And um, then in second, he says, cast him out. Like, you're proud of this man being sinful. Cast him out, I say. And he's very clear about how much God demands holiness in the body of Christ. And then in mm-hmm. second Corinthians, Paul comes back and says, reinstate to that man the full rights and privileges. I've heard of his repentance. Mm-hmm. And Bible scholars disagree on with the length of time between those two books, but they agree on a range, which is somewhere between six months and a year. So we're not talking 10 years later, this guy who has this horrible sin in his life is being reinstated. Now, I don't know that he was reinstated to leadership, so I'm not saying that. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying, is our heart to restore? Yeah. Is our heart to put back? Because if we would start to put back into the pulpits the men who are honest about their sin and their struggles, we would have a safer pulpit. Mm. We, I really, truly believe that. And my our boards put my husband back. He's back in leadership. And you know what? They know what he struggles with, so they hold his nose to the grindstone when it comes to sexual integrity. And mm. it's a beautiful thing. It's how the body of Christ is supposed to work. So, um, guys, I guess what I want to say is this. Get over the fear. It was scary for Bob and I. Yeah. But we trusted God, and we went for the – we went – we were willing to let go of everything that God's entrusted to us to build for 20 years for the sake of our souls. Yeah. Dana, I believe someone needed to hear that more mm-hmm. more than I think we would ever know in those who are listening to this and those who are going to be sharing this episode with, with others in their lives. Um, the, the image that you mentioned before about a waiter hitting... Uh, someone Uh and and getting their nose broken and the waiter being apologetic, but yeah, you forgive them, but the, the, your nose still needs to be fixed. Uh, Can you help us wreck? Can you, for for all those who are listening in that have a wrecked nose right now, (laughs) um, how do you, how, what, what did that healing process look like for you? 
And what, what, what does it look like to be able to forgive and then begin trusting our spouses after this broken nose that may have resulted in a permanently, you know, crooked nose from that point. Right. Oh, the scars. Yeah. Well, yeah, the you scars. just asked yeah. a lot of questions and the loaded one was how do you rebuild trust, which yeah. is whole is a whole new podcast. Yeah, so yeah, we yeah. won't even go there because that's a really hard topic. But the fact mm. is that um the very reason I wrote the book and Bob and I have a podcast um on the same from the same name happily even after from Bob and Dana Gresh, which the husbands can listen in on and hear our story. But um, one of the reasons I wrote it is because continually you hit these ministries that are like, you have to go through our six steps or you'd have to come to our workshop and then do these things. And what I have found is that the lies in our hearts that lead us to the behaviors are always so unique to each of us individually that we have to kind of custom create our own healing plan and we have to trust God's spirit to kind of guide us. Mm. But in the book, I do create, I do share um, seven beliefs that every couple needs to really get you started on your healing journey. Mm. And um, like, for example, one of them is confession is the beginning of healing because what we tend to believe is if I heard the whole truth from my husband, it would devastate me. And I don't think we could ever be the same again. Well, that's not true. John 8, 31 and 32 says that when you know the truth, you'll be set free. Now that verse mm-hmm. is talking about Jesus, the truth, Jesus's truth, but it, It's also true that facts, the facts of truth, when you're walking through it with the truth of Jesus Christ, set you free. They don't lead to devastation. Oh, and my dog agrees. (laughs) Amen. Exactly. Um, But um, how how we process through our healing, that's why you have to do it in community, is different for each one of us. I'm so sorry. I didn't see him come into the No, room. we love oh, dogs. He is, we love yeah, dogs. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is very much in, yes. welcome in this conversation. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so so to answer your question, get that woman needs to get her own team of healers or man, if mm. it's the wife that's really uh, struggling with a sin battle. Mm-hmm. You can't have. You almost can't have the same team. There, there might be a Christian marriage counselor that you work with together, or you might go mm-hmm. to your pastor together. But I had to build my own team so that I could do my own healing work, and that team prayed with me. I yeah. mean, for example, one weekend, my pastor's wife and my best friend said, "Okay, you got to stop working on this. We're going on a girls' beach weekend because mm-hmm. you've got to come up for air." So that was a really essential lifeline for me at one point in my healing journey. And if I didn't have two girlfriends who knew absolutely everything that was going on, they wouldn't have known that I needed that. So find your team Mm -hmm. and do your own work. Yeah, no, those are great, great tools to be able to begin that forgiveness and healing journey. I want to touch, I know you're not going to talk about the trust because that's a whole other podcast, but I would like you to address um, our forgiveness and trust hand in hand. Like, do they have to go hand in hand? Is it uh, one after another and the timeline is like two days? Could you, yeah, speak to that a little bit for our podcast That's super easy. Um, They don't, they do... They are, they do, they are complementary to one another, but they don't have to happen in tandem. Um, So forgiveness is a command of God. We are given a command to forgive one another. Um, 
And that's really complicated because sometimes we do that prematurely in situations like this before we have all the facts and we understand really what's happening. Um, you got to know the facts. It's got to be a thorough forgiveness. I really recommend not doing it without a pastor or a licensed Christian counselor really there for you to hear the disclosure together and work through the forgiveness, which may happen the day you hear disclosure. It may happen a week later. It may happen six months later. Um, it's mm -hmm. different for each person. But building trust is different. The day I forgave Bob, I didn't trust him. He had proven mm -hmm. to me that he wasn't trustworthy. And the fact is the Bible warns us against trusting each other. It warns us not to trust each other. And it says we should only put our trust in God. That's the mm -hmm. only place that is safe to truly trust. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, our healthy relationships are going to have a trustworthiness to them. So Bob and I really learned that building trust takes time and that um, he had to, I call it putting cookies in my cookie jar. So, well, one of our marriage counselors called it that. So as Bob would go to men's discipleship group, that was like a cookie in my cookie jar, oh, making me feel okay. safe. As Bob mm. went to his therapist that week, his Christian therapist for that week, that was like a cookie in the cookie jar. As Bob gained a week, a month, six months, a year of sobriety, those were cookies in my cookie jar of trust. But at the same time, at some point, I had to say, I choose to trust you. I know it's hmm. risky. I know you could hurt me again, as I could hurt him at any point. But yeah. I'm going to choose to walk in this relationship at trust. So uh, in this relationship in a trustworthy manner. So yeah, both of those two topics I write about extensively in the book because they are complicated. Yeah. So Dana, as we come to the close of our podcast, we'd love for you to just speak directly to the man or the woman that is feeling mm -hmm. lost right now. Yeah. They've they've obviously listened to this podcast because they want to try to rebuild hope and love in their marriage. They want to 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 navigate this through. They're not content with this pattern of sin in their lives. Yeah. But they just feel a bit lost and they're unsure of what their next steps might be. What do you yeah. want to say to them? I would say that it's really important to search for um Christian care with clinical understanding. Hmm. Um, the same free marriage coach at church that's going to be great at helping you figure out your fight over who takes the trash out or why your husband leaves the socks in the middle of the living room floor. Not that my husband does that. <clears throat> or whatever. <laughs> I <Mine> neither. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um that same person is not going to understand the clinical complexity of as of uh, the clinical complexities not only of the pornography user's brain, but um, recent research reveals that seventy percent of wives of addictive porn users have symptoms of PTSD. That doesn't mean that they have a diagnosis of PTSD, but their brains aren't working in the same magnificent way that they normally do. Oh. And I certainly would be among those women. Um, I walked through that. It's a really crazy time. So having somebody who can understand the clinical complexities of both the trauma of betrayal mm -hmm. trauma as well as 
the pornography addiction, I think is really essential. And that's something the church is a little afraid of sometimes. I feel like um, we can go to extremes. Either we're like, oh, I need clinical care or I need Christian care. Well, what if we did the hard work of finding places where those two things come together? Because they oh, do yeah. exist. Yeah. So yes. I would say it's worth it to to do your research and find that place when you're getting your Christian therapy. Mm. Mm. Well, Dana, thank you so much for joining our podcast family and sharing um, both the brokenness and the beauty of the marriage uh, relationship that you and Bob have journeyed through and continue to journey through. We hardly ever end our podcast this way, but um, would you be willing just to close us out with um, praying for these couples that are just struggling right now? Yeah, I would love to. That would be my honor. Father God, oh, thank you so much that you love each one of us so much that you won't let us stay in the pits that we have fallen into. Mm. You lovingly invite us out. And I believe this program today is your arm reaching down into that pit and saying, you don't belong there. Father, I pray that they'd reach back. Mm. I don't know what that looks like. It's probably different for each person. Maybe they need to text someone right now, Lord, or maybe they need to make a phone call, or maybe they need to follow up with um, an honest confession that they were afraid to make before. But I pray, Father, you'd give them the courage to make the next step. Would you help them to believe that it is true that you will know the truth and you will be set free, free from addiction, free from shame, free from pain, free from all of it, Lord Jesus. You've done that in my marriage. You've done that in my husband's heart. You can do that in the heart of the one listening right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray Mm. over them. Amen. 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 Well, Dana, for our podcast family who wants to reach out and connect with you online, uh, where can they find you? And and yeah. I'm assuming your book, Happily Even After, can be found yeah. on Amazon, everywhere books yeah. are sold sort of thing. So Everywhere books are sold. And you can check it out at danagresh.com. Um, we have workshops. We have live events uh, based on the book, based on the topic. We come to churches. We do Sunday mornings. We do Saturday workshops, all kinds of things that maybe can just breathe some encouragement into your community or into you as mm-hmm. a couple. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. Oh, man. What an incredible and insightful interview. Yeah, totally. You know, we have the opportunity to talk to hundreds of couples every year, particularly about sex and porn. And one of the predominant questions from the spouse of the porn user is, what am I supposed to do? Mm -hmm. There's lots that my spouse has to do, but I feel hopeless, helpless, and clueless. What do I do? We hope you listen to this episode and can walk away with one extra tool, insight, or prayer to take along with you this week. As Dana has mentioned, please don't go this alone. If this is your story, don't go this alone. If you have a friend who you know this is their story, don't let them journey alone. Share this episode with them. Reach out to a trusted friend. Invite them onto your journey. You can even begin with, I don't know what to do. Can I just share with you how I'm feeling? 
Or you can text them this episode, inbetween.org slash episode 174, or hit the share button on your podcast app and, and say, hey, can you listen to this? And let's discuss over coffee what, yeah, what's going on in my life as we listen to this. Yeah, completely. I know this can feel like such an overwhelming, and it is an overwhelming point in your path that you're like, I didn't ask for this. Why is this happening to me? So, but I think one of the things that the enemy wants us to do is just to hide, try to hide it and have all of these turmoils going through our own mind by ourselves. However, when we can talk to someone, when we can share that, when we can invite someone to pray with us and for us, there is power in that. Yeah. That's, that's how we walk the path to freedom Mm -hmm. because shame says, Hey, hide it. Don't tell anyone about it. Suffer alone. But the path of grace and the path of freedom is as you open up and and invite others to journey together with you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So take that first brave step. We really appreciate you listening into today's podcast. For all the show notes, make sure to go to inbetween.org slash episode 174. And we'll catch you next time.